You know, today we're going to, go ahead and be seated. We're going to talk about abundance. That was abundant music. Thank you for that. That was great. So uh, as our children are preparing to go to their time, I want to offer a prayer as they go. Lord God, thank you for our children and uh, for the joy that it is to have them amongst us uh, as they uh, enter into their time of learning. God, I pray that you will go with them, that they'll grow in knowledge and trust in you and trust in your son, Jesus Christ. And uh, Lord God, I pray the same for us, that we might grow in our knowledge and trust through the words that we hear today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for being here, kids. As uh, we go to read the scripture, I'm, I'm going to read just a short part of scripture, just one verse, John 10, 10. And if you have your Bible with you, you can pull that out and follow along. But um, it, it's just a short verse. But let me give you a little bit of uh, what's going on around it. Jesus is teaching. And in his teaching, he talks about um, uh, the good shepherd, the shepherd, uh, the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd, and they, they come to the voice of the shepherd. But there's one that is not the shepherd, one that seeks to draw the sheep away. He calls that one the, the thief. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, as we'll read here in just a moment. Here it is. Uh, actually, that's how it starts. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As I read that uh, just now, it, it occurred to me that they are you and me, that they may have life and have it abundantly. We've been in the midst of a, a worship series uh, entitled, How Much? Scarcity versus Abundance. And, and uh, for the first Sunday of this series, we're in the last Sunday of it, but for the first Sunday, I talked about scarcity and how, how scarcity tends to, to cause us to put a value on other people. To look at each other and, and, and wonder where do they fit in the, in the value scale. And, and oftentimes it's a financial value. Uh, what is their worth? And that puts us in a tenuous position. It causes us to make decisions on, on how uh, we just don't think there's enough to go around. So do you have more than me and do I need to get from you? And it just makes for bad decisions. And, and, and it goes even deeper than the financial thing. And I'm going to discuss that here in a little bit. And then, and then there's the the passage, the message that Greg had, uh, Pastor Greg had a couple of weeks ago when Greg was talking about the people of uh, leaving Egypt and, and in the desert land as they were headed to Israel and God provides manna and he provides enough, enough for each day that they would go out each morning and they'd find this manna, whatever it was, on the ground and they would scrape it up and, and, and eat that for the day. But if they tried to keep it overnight, it would spoil in other words, if they tried to get more than enough, it would spoil. You know, uh, there have been people over the years that are trying to figure out what was manna exactly? How do we describe that? You know, can we, can we scientifically come up with an answer of what this stuff was? And, and there's been a lot of speculation that, that, that maybe it was some sort of, of mushroom or fungus that grows as the dew settles on the, uh, on the desert. Um, uh, and so there may be a natural explanation to it, but here's the part that's not natural. It would, it would rot overnight except for one night a week. 
And that was the night heading into the Sabbath day because the people of Israel were not allowed to work on the Sabbath day. Therefore, they could not collect manna on the Sabbath day. Therefore, they had to have enough to last an extra day and it didn't rot then. So I don't know how we scientifically explain that. How did it know it was Friday night? So Greg talked about there was always enough and God's, God's providence is that there is always enough enough for each of us. And then last week, uh, Andy and Val shared the message and it was wonderful. It was brilliant. I was watching it online from, from Cleveland, uh, where my uh, niece was married this past weekend. And, um, uh, and just a beautiful message as, as, um, they talk about being enough and, and recognizing that as, as Christ calls Zacchaeus out of the tree, Christ doesn't first measure his value in the community. Doesn't, doesn't measure his value as a tax collector. How highly do we value our tax collectors? Um, yeah. I know there's one that works for IRS here today, so I'll be careful what I say. But how high, do, how high do we value, how high did they value the tax collector in that day who was assumed to be cheating people? And do you look at it, that person with scarcity in mind, there's only so much I have and you're stealing some and therefore I degrade your value. But, but Jesus looks at a man in a tree who's trying to get over everybody else to be able to see Christ. And he has compassion on that man because he has, sees the value in each one of us. Not one of us valued more than the other, but not one of us valued less than the other. You are enough. You are enough for God's grace. God's grace is not based on your productivity or your place. God's grace is based on you're enough. And today the message title is Plenty. Or when, what does it mean to live into this abundance that Jesus promises? Jesus promises that he came to give us abundant life. Is it attainable? I, uh, I tend to subscribe to um, John Wesley's theology, written about 250, closing in on 300 years ago. It's a theology that I think does a fantastic job of, of helping you understand the grace of God. God's love for you, even before you know it, God's love for you that comes to you in your salvation, and God's love for you that wants to move you from who you are to who God calls you to be. It's, it's a beautiful explanation of, of who God is and who we are in the face of God. Wesley was uh, um, reading through scripture and, and comes across a passage of scripture that says, that Jesus says, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And he's repeating what he had, had seen in the Old Testament reading, the same words, uh, be perfect. And Wesley, as he looks at that statement, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, he says, if Jesus commands it, it must be possible. Right? Makes sense. But if it's possible, we must very clearly define what perfection is. And Wesley goes on to define perfection as Jesus' words to us and what's the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Christian perfection is loving God and loving neighbor in a perfect way. And most of us wonder, gosh, I don't know that I could ever get there. 
I don't know if I could ever be perfect, a perfect Christian in that I perfectly love God and perfectly love the neighbor. And, and Wesley would say, no, you can't. But you can open up yourself to God's love flowing in so that you can love others. It's God's love that draws us to perfection, not our striving that gets us there. It's opening up ourselves to the possibility. And that's what he's talking about. So, so use that line of logic when we come to a passage where Jesus says, I've come to give you life and give it abundantly. If Jesus wants to give us abundant life, it must be possible to live a life of abundance. Yes? Yes? Thank you. Somebody said, I got an amen from one. And I'll take one to carry on. But what does that mean? If, if Jesus expects that we're going to live abundantly, what does that mean? What does that look like? I've been to third world countries where financially I wouldn't consider them abundant. Did Jesus not come for them but only came to the Midwest? Only came to America? Or does he mean this for the whole world? What is abundance? And what does an abundant life look like? I think we have to look in the scripture context text and, and go into it a little bit deeper. If Jesus is saying that, here's, here's a problem. Jesus says um, in, in Matthew 8, 20, uh, Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus was homeless. He was couch surfing before couch surfing was cool. Apparently, that's not how we define abundance. And then he tells his followers, the group that he was beginning to gather around, the 70 that he sends out to say, you go to these different villages all over the area and go and preach to them. And, and here's what you take with you or don't. Luke 10, 4, carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. That greet no one on the road was simply meaning don't try to, to, to you know, work out a deal before you get there. Go without. So abundance apparently doesn't consist in our possessions, <laughs> the place that we lay our head. It requires a little bit deeper theological thinking to look at the example of Christ, how he lived his life. And as we look at that example, we recognize that Christ was always giving himself away, not just in his death on the cross, but throughout his life was giving himself to others through his compassion and his caring. Christ was always offering himself to others, always breaking conventions. In, in, in favor of caring for others. Look to his critics and find the scarcity of their theology and the abundance of his. I mean, the critics say, you, you eat with sinners. Yeah? That has something to do with abundance. To be among the people that don't fit, don't count by a conventional standard. Jesus touches a leper Lepers were the ones that, it was a disease that people were in terrible fear of. Uh, as, you know, we wear masks and avoid COVID. It might be close, 
to the same idea. Jesus, Jesus touches the leper. Um, a, a leper was not supposed to be anywhere around those who don't have leprosy. They were supposed to, to uh, wear clothing that was tattered and torn in order to show everyone else this guy has a problem. They were supposed to walk around. If, you, if you're on a path going toward another village and you're coming the other way, the leper's supposed to cover their mouth and shout, unclean, unclean. And Jesus reaches out to this one, the outcast, the one that's not even allowed to come to worship. And Jesus reaches into their life. This must have something to do with abundance. Abundance is not in, in what we have, but what we give, and not in what we receive, but how we spend ourselves in, in care and compassion for others. And some of Jesus' teachings, I think, speak much louder than others. And, and one I, I am always been particularly fond of is that Matthew 25, where, where he says, I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. You gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And we try to live as a church, as people who try to live that out in what we do. I was hungry and you fed me and we've done this food collection for, for um, uh, the Thanksgiving boxes uh, that, that Circle of Concern will be giving out. And, and we're trying to collect food for the 215 boxes. And here's the cool thing. Um, we stumbled on this last year. And, I, and it worked out so well, we decided to repeat it. And, and that is that, that um, this evening, after the rain stops at about 2 o'clock today, uh, this evening, we'll have this parking lot full of trunks for Trunk or Treat. We have about 20 Trunk or Treat trunks. We have uh, a partnership with the, the, um, uh, the Wildwood Business Association. So they'll have a, a bunch of booths set up that kids can do things. We, our youth group is, is creating game booths so they can play. We'll have a fire engine here because everybody needs a fire engine around. And, and then um, the last thing they'll do, though, as they go around is they'll come right underneath the, uh, the covering out here where the kids won't get, but instead have an opportunity to give. We think it's important that we teach children it's not just what you get, it is what you give. Abundant living has everything to do with what you give. And so they'll pack those boxes, the, uh, a can of corn and a can of beans and a can of pumpkin, because I don't even know what you do with that. Um, but, uh, but all the, the stuffing mix and all of that sort of thing, they'll pack all of that into the boxes and then bring the boxes inside where we'll make like a pyramid of boxes and take a picture of it before we send them out tomorrow morning. I was hungry and you fed me. And we try to do that. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. And I've been to, to Ghana where we, we, we pay for wells to be dug and... and um, in areas where our, our missionary, Mary Kay, has gone and, and, and determined this, this village needs a well because their well is just hand dug and it's a sandy soil. And if you go down only so deep, it'll collapse on you. And so, you only, so the, the hand dug wells are filled with groundwater that is diseased. And I haven't witnessed this part myself, but Mary Kay will tell you that over the years what, what has happened is she goes to a village where disease is rampant especially dysentery, and, 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 and they dig a well hundreds of feet deep that the water is filtered properly, and it's safe to drink. And the village, a year later, is much different. 
And you do that. That's abundance. I was naked and you clothed me, that scripture says. And, and, and uh, um, it, it, Connie Davidson right now is, is uh, helping out our, our Merrimack mission. Connie's right here. Um, so you can talk to her after this if you want. And she didn't know this was coming, but here it comes. So one of the things that Connie is doing, we, we don't like to do more than one publicized collection at once, but, but uh, um, we do things kind of undercurrent. So Connie is doing the undercurrent, talking to our, our small groups and, and whatnot um, about uh, socks and underwear for students at Merrimack School. Shannon is, Shannon Fritz is our, our, we'll call her our missionary. She's a reading specialist that we employ down at Merrimack School. And, and Shannon tells this story just uh, the other day she shared with us, and it's heartbreaking um, uh, when you hear it. And that is that, that she, what she does is she collects students out of their classrooms that need extra help, takes them to her room, and she helps them with their reading. And sometimes it's an individual student, sometimes it's groups of students. But um, just the other day, she, she brought, brought these students to her room, and one of them said, can I, can I go to the counselor and get some clothes? I, I, I stink. So we're collecting socks and underwear for kids. I was naked and you clothed me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. And, and you know, um, the Methodist church globally, but I, I, so many different churches are, are struggling with uh, what is it that we do? How do we live together with people who are LGBTQIA+. And we had our town hall meeting two weeks ago, and, and then Greg and I left town. Um, that was just coincidental, but I think. Um, but one of the things that I said in that town hall meeting, and I want to hold it up to you as being absolutely where I am on things, and, and that is that, that uh, I'm very traditional in the way I interpret Scripture. And in my traditional interpretation, it tells me that everybody, everybody is in need of Christ. It tells me that it's not my job to decide who should be what and when but just my job to overflow in Christ's abundance, to lead a church to overflow in Christ's abundance. So, matter, so no matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done, no matter how you live your life, you are welcomed in to the abundance of Christ. And we'll allow Christ, that through his Holy Spirit, to draw you to where you need to be when you need to be there. And we'll walk that path with you, whatever it is. But it's not on us to decide who belongs and who doesn't based on what we might be considering their sin. Because if it is, we all need to leave the building. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I won't go in the other two right now. But, but as, we, as we think through all of that, we recognize that, that, that Jesus says there's, a, there's another thing going on. Jesus comes to give us life abundantly, but, but there's, there's a thief, a thief who comes to kill and steal and destroy, and, and, and that thief came to our community, our St. Louis area, just this past week, right? We thought we were maybe immune somehow from school shootings, and there it is. And there's a young man who can only see darkness, no light down the end of that tunnel, and the thief speaking into his ear says, kill and destroy. 
And he packs up hundreds of rounds of ammunition and heads for a school. How is it do you make that leap? I don't get it. Except that maybe you suffer mental illness, that you need a little more help. And, and so I, I, our, we're working as a, a leadership board, we're working to talk about how do we open a, a counseling center here at Living Word, and maybe we won't touch enough lives, but we'll touch some. Professional counselors who's, who, who know how to do this to help those who are staring down darkness with no light at the end of the tunnel. And, and just this, this past week also, just actually Friday night into Saturday, you know, so often we think that we are, we're, we're at a distance, uh, arm's length from, from people that, are, are, that, that suffer. And, um, uh, but a young man died in a car accident, uh, attends Lindbergh, or attended Lindbergh High School, and um, that young man's good friends with a young man who dates the daughter of good friends of ours. And so we're three, three uh, uh, steps of separation away. You're now four. After I preached this message, I sat down next to uh, Tim Polis, our, our uh, uh, leadership board chair, and Tim reminded me he has a granddaughter in that school, a senior at that school, and his son-in-law is principal. And I, I don't know how we, uh, I don't know how we, we, we stop teenagers from thinking they're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. Let's face it, you and I did too. We did really stupid things when we were teenagers, and we're the ones that can still tell the stories. But I hope through our, our youth ministry that, that we're helping uh, our students see uh, the value in each other, the sanctity of each other's lives. And maybe living our lives in a way that recognizes that value and lives it out. Yesterday, Nancy and I went on the Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's walk um, and, uh, because, uh, because that thief stole my mother-in-law a few years ago. And I loved her dearly. And we're not going to fix all these problems. But the church is called not to, be, not, not to react to everything that's going on, but to be proactive, to enter into the lives of other people, to find out where they're hurting, to be the ones that say, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you naked? Are you a stranger? Are you sick? Are you in prison? How can I help? Not to be the thief that steals and kills and destroys. And so, yes, it's every year that we, we have that message that we talk about and, and we, we ask, will you, will you partner with the church? If this is the kind of church that you want, if this is the kind of church that you want to be a part of, will you partner with us in your annual giving? And, and, and so you got a card in, in your bulletin. And, and this is just an estimate and we don't, we don't trot this out for everybody to see. We, we compile the total so that the leadership board can say, how do, we, how do we budget for ministry for the coming year? This is between you and God, but it's helpful if we know. And so this information is, is important for us to hear from you. And it's also important for those of you who are online watching 
Because this ministry happens because people take a moment to be committed, to, to be the voice of the shepherd calling out to the sheep and not the one who is the thief. And so I hope that you'll take time. We don't want this back today. We want you to take it home. And we want you in your household, if, if, you're, if you have more than one in your household, in your household to talk about it. But whether you have one or, or a dozen, whatever the number is, that you pray about it. And you ask, God, in light of what I know about the world around me and in light of what I know about my church, what do you call me to do? Now, you can, you can go online to fill this out as well, lwinfo.org or livingwordumc.org, um, uh, lwinfo on your, on your uh, phone, it's, it's, it's created for that, but, or livingwordumc on, on your computer. Um, uh, either one will work, by the way. It converts it. Um, but uh, here's, here's something cool to know. So um, Brad Locke, who is our uh, director of uh, business management, um, Brad was a banker before he came to work for us, but he had a side job for a while. Um, it's a little while back, but he had this side, this side gig that he was doing. And um, what it was is Brad uh, um, developed and owned a, uh, an online giving portal program. And then he sold it to the very people that we use. So if you have any problems with your giving portal, talk to Brad, because <laughs> he might know something about it. But Brad Locke is the one, if you have any questions about any of this, he's the one on staff to talk to. It's absolutely confidential, uh, and, and we keep it that way. The only thing that we do is compile the total so that we know where are we going as a church in the coming year. And your estimate is vitally important. If that's the kind of church that you can get on board with, if that's who you feel you're called to be and you trust that your church will lead in that direction, I hope that you'll, you'll plan on making that a part of, of your regular uh, giving. Nancy and I have been surprised to find in the past when we've done our taxes that we're past 10% on our giving, somewhere 12 or 13. And the reason I say is we're surprised is we don't just give to the church, but we, we give to different organizations. And like, I didn't know how much she was giving to the Alzheimer's Association. I just will find out when I do our taxes at the end of the year. Um, and uh, so we don't keep track of all that. We just have found that um, we've positioned ourselves that when we want to make a difference in somebody's life, we can do it. That's what abundant living is. Making the decision to make a difference and then living it. And finding that, that when you live abundantly into the lives of others, you experience the abundance that Christ promises. Amen? amen. And amen. So we get to practice. <laughs> we practice every week. It's offering time. Now, I recognize that, that most people now, um, their offering is done digitally. Um, and I think there's a downside to that. It's a up, huge upside for the church because it's so much easier for us. But the downside is that you won't be putting anything in the basket as it comes by. Some will, so, but most don't. Here's what I want you to do. As the basket comes by, just pray that prayer. Lord God, in light of what I've heard today, what do you call me to in the future? And let the basket pass by as you think that prayer through and think it through this week. Next week, we'll ask you to turn in those cards. The ushers will come now.
Jesus, we see you. All of these worlds, your hands have made. A billion stars stretched out in space. These are just echoes of your grace. Jesus, we see
the Jesus, the generous giver, the, the one who overflows from the abundance of who he is into our lives. And this meal that we are about to partake in, it seems so small that we'll get a, a little piece of bread and a little cup. It seems so insignificant, and yet it is representative of the overflowing, the abundance of one who would give his life so much that he'd die for our sake. And so we recall in the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread and he broke it and he gave it to his followers and he said, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. Whenever you eat this, do so in remembrance of me. And at the end of the supper, he took a cup and after preparing it, he offered it to them and he said, take and drink from this, all of you. This is the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood overflowing into new life. This is the abundance of what I'm willing to give to you and ask you to give to others. Whenever you drink of this, do so in remembrance of Christ. And so in remembrance of Christ, we, uh, we pray this. Almighty God, we pray that you will pour out your Holy Spirit on everyone gathered here. And upon this, the bread and the cup, make it become for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood and sent into a world in need. And it's in Christ's name and for his sake that we pray. Amen. As uh, we gather for this time of communion, as those who are going to serve with me come to their place of service, uh, know this, this isn't my table and this isn't Living Word's table. This is the table of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everyone is invited to Christ's table. At the direction of the ushers, you'll come to the center aisle and come to the two servers on either side. A piece of bread will be broken off and handed to you. You'll eat that bread and then step to the other server who will have those small cups that have the juice in it. And you'll take the juice, throw the cup in the trash can. After you've communed, if you'd like, you can go to one of the kneelers or stand at the, at the kneeler, whatever is your preference to, for a time of prayer. Or you can return to your seat in a prayerful manner. If you require a gluten-free diet, Don is right here, and he has the gluten-free wafers. Please feel free to just stop by there and, and have communion that way. And if you would also prefer uh, one of the uh, prepackaged communion sets, we still have those if you would prefer to commune in that way. All is prepared. Please come. You are not hidden There's never been a moment You were forgotten You are not hopeless Though you have been broken Your innocence stolen Distance that cannot be cut.
pray. Almighty God, out of your abundance, you gave to us. You gave us your son, Jesus Christ. You gave us all that we are and all that we have and all that we ever will be. You overflowed out of your abundance into our lives. And in this meager meal, you have overflowed completely in the life and the death and the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. May we, O oh God, overflow then into you, into caring for the people that you care for, for the people who aren't here yet, for the people far and wide who don't know Christ, who live in whatever darkness or despair, who don't understand abundance in the same way. Help us, O oh God, not to be a people who focus on scarcity, but rather on all that you've given, and to be those who give as well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we uh, prepare to conclude, let me just, uh, um, if any of you have an opportunity, you're physically able, um, in case it's raining tonight, uh, we're going to have the trunk or treat in here. We won't pull any cars in, but... Um, but we'll set up in here, so we need to stack all the chairs. Don't drag them across the carpet, please. We just stack them in stacks of six, I believe, and then we have a way to drag them to the uh, to.
two-wheeler them to the, the sides of the room. If you're able to stick around afterwards and help do that, that would be greatly appreciated. For now, let's stand and uh, complete our, uh, to sing our last song, that one. That one. <laughs> We're going to close our service today with a song, Look What You've Done, reminding us of the abundance that God gives us each and every day. you fall so far you should be ashamed of yourself so I was ashamed of myself the lies I believed they got some roots that run deep I let them take a hold of my life I let them take control of my life standing in your presence Lord I can feel you taking all the roots up I feel you healing
just remind yourself what God has done for you and what he continues and will continue to do each and every day. Thanks so much for worshiping with us. I hope you have a blessed, blessed Sunday and hope to see you back next week.